Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome to the house of the Lord for worship. We are so delighted to have you with us this morning. How are you doing this Sunday morning? You doing okay? It's okay if the answer to that question is no. It's okay if the answer is yes. This is the best day, the best week. Um, But if your answer is no, if you're feeling heavy this week, I'm with you. Okay? And it's okay. It's okay to come with wherever you're at today. Um, The Lord welcomes us with whatever we have to bring. So I want you to know you can take a deep breath. You are welcome here with whatever you have today. If you are joining us online, thank you for being with us. A special welcome to you. I want to remind you, as always, we have online hosts who are available for you all throughout the service to answer any questions you have and specifically would love to pray with you. So use that request prayer button over on the right-hand side. Get connected to us. We want you to be connected to what the Lord is doing in this community from wherever you are today, whatever your circumstances are. Get involved in what the Lord is doing here. Well, I'd love to invite you now to stand in body or in spirit for our call to worship, which comes from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. And in his temple all cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace. Forever 
Our scripture reading for today comes from the prophet Isaiah. This is from chapter 40. He says, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young.
before the Lord together in prayer this morning. Father, you are holy, which means you are perfect and you are set apart and you are completely other than us, other than anything we can wrap our minds around, anything other than we can understand, comprehend, and often other than we can bring ourselves to really truly believe in our finiteness, in our humanness. You're just so much more good and loving and beautiful and perfect. You exist outside the framework that we can understand. And especially during a week like this, it's hard for us to know and believe with our whole selves that you are who you say you are. How can we, how, how can we see you in these things, in these dark and desperate places? We thank you that Jesus came into the dark and desperate places. So while we can't understand And while we can't make the suffering stop, we also don't have to face it alone. And for now, may that be enough that we know that Holy Spirit, you are with us. That Jesus, you are a high priest who has suffered in every way that we suffer. You are a a God who is acquainted with our griefs who is familiar with every human frailty and weakness that we have. You know them well. You experience them fully. So thank you that we can be known by you in our weeping, in our doubting, in our crying out for you to come and please bring change. Mend the broken places, Father, even in our waiting. We are known by you. We are held by you. I pray for each one in this room, those who believe with their whole hearts and those who are holding on to their faith by their fingernails, like I feel like I might be sometimes. Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you that it's not the strength of our faith that matters but the strength of the one in whom we place our faith. We thank you again for Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for meeting us here. Will you do a mighty work this morning? As you reveal yourself to us, will you do something in us that we might go from here reflecting your light and your goodness to a world that is obviously and absolutely desperate for you? Father, we love you. This time is for you. It's for your glory, and it's in the matchless name of Christ Jesus, our perfect and holy and righteous King, that we pray. Amen. And you may be seated. Well, good morning. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are 
with us today as we celebrate Memorial Day weekend and uh, encourage one another uh, as we uh, come together to worship a Heavenly Father that loves us and cares about us. And we are so glad that you are with us today. If you are watching with us online this morning, um, if you are not feeling well, I pray that you feel better. We just pray that God would give you a sense of his presence. We're so glad that you're able to be with us if you're online. If you're traveling on vacation, when I traveled um, when we were on vacation two weeks ago, I got to log in and got to talk to people. And so if you're traveling uh, this morning, we're glad that you uh, log in to be with us this morning. And uh, Or maybe you're watching online and you're just checking out churches and you ran across our website. Hey, we would really encourage you to, uh, to say hello in the chat. We've got online hosts available uh, to answer any questions that you have that can pray with you. And uh, we're so glad that you have tuned in with us uh, if you're watching online this morning. If you're in person, we're glad you're here as well. There's something about our coming together uh, that is just encouraging, isn't it? So we're glad you're with us this morning. You've got that connection card that is in your chair. And so I want to invite you to take that out for a moment. If you're a first-time guest with us this morning, uh, you can share with us as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. If you're a regular attender, uh, please just uh, fill that out. First and last names of any adults, let us know that you're with us. Uh, that would be fantastic. Hey, just wanted to let you know that um, our missions team is gearing up for a missions trip early in July, and uh, Pastor Matt is putting together orders for a barbecue. And so if you are interested in uh, supporting that missions trip, uh, they are going to be selling uh, barbecue, pulled pork coming up. And I tell you, um, I have not been on a missions trip since COVID. And so uh, that's the first time I said the word, so no more. But um, I am dying to go on a missions trip, and so my heart is just with these guys. Uh, it's been fun to watch them getting together and playing the, uh, the trip. Pastor Matt's been doing a great job working with leaders and all the team members, and so they are going to have a fantastic time serving uh, in a community that desperately needs to hear the love about Jesus as they serve in their community with local ministry partners. So if you want to be a part of uh, praying for that trip or supporting them, uh, be sure to uh, visit our website, springbrook.org slash barbecue, bbq. And so you can uh, get all the information you need about the trip there. You can order the barbecue there. Uh, if you haven't downloaded our app yet, I'd encourage you to do that. Um, there's a place for you there as well. In fact, if you have not downloaded our app, this is a great time to do that as we head into the summer. I know there's a lot of people that are traveling. It's a great way for you to be able to stay connected. Everything that you need to know about Springbrook, you can find there. It's a great opportunity for you to be encouraged uh, as you read about the things that God's doing. We want to make sure that you feel like you're a part uh, of our community um, here at Springbrook. And so you can text uh, Springbrook app, two words, to 77977, and that will show up on whatever device you're using. So if you have any questions, please let me know. If you need some help doing that, just stop by and see me after the service. I know everyone wants to. There's another Springbrook church out there as well. So make sure you get Springbrook app. And uh, if you have any questions about how to update your app or if you have any questions, just uh, be sure and let me know. And we're going to be celebrating a baptism in just a moment. So we love celebrating baptisms. So we're going to do that in just a second. But before that, I want to invite Karen McCartney to come out. And so Karen is one of the leaders uh, with our Vacation Bible School. And so she has been working, I know, closely with uh, Michelle Howe, our children's director. And it's, I know that um, all of our all of our spaces are now filled, and so VBS is full, and so we're looking forward to having some kids here. We're connecting with new families. Uh, we're connecting with families in our community, and our church, and so I want to thank you uh, for your service. I know you have been a part of VBS for many years. Uh, we've got a lot of opportunities for setting up, so tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you're working on where we need some help with decor. So how many people know what the theme is this year? It's <laughs> Norb E. It's an outer space galactic type theme. Um, we've done a space theme in the past, but it's going to be really great this year. Michelle's got a new program, and it's going to be a lot of fun. 
Um, I personally volunteer to do VBS because uh, it brings me joy, and it's such a little simple thing that I can do. I am not crafty. I am not a carpenter, um, but I know how to fold cardboard. I know how to cut construction paper. Um, but I know right now Michelle's really looking for additional volunteers to help with the setup. Even if you don't have any idea how to make a rocket ship or you don't think you're crafty, just being present and helping out with the setup, uh, it means such a, a tremendous amount. Um, I was listening to a song by Matthew West called Do Something, um, and that song just goes in my heart, and every year I volunteer to do this, no matter what the level of volunteerism is. To me, I feel like that's my contribution to helping our church to disciple to the children in our community and bring them closer to God. So it's an easy thing to do. Uh, just a couple minutes of your, your, a couple hours of your day during the week, come on out, sign up. I know that the uh, website's been up asking for volunteers to uh, sign up so Michelle can organize you and use your time effect, uh, efficiently. So, yeah, Amen. Well, I want to thank you for the way you serve your community. Uh, and I also want to thank you for the way that you serve here at Springbrook. Your heart for God, your passion for him uh, has been an encouragement to me. I know you've been blessed by serving. We've been blessed by you. And so um, I know that uh, we're going to be doing some crafts and some decor uh, in the evenings around Karen's schedule. And then Michelle's got some opportunities for us to do some things uh, during the day. And so if you're interested at all in helping us get prepared for VBS, uh, please stop by. Uh, talk to Michelle. She's at the Children's Ministry Counter this morning. And she would love the opportunity to talk with you. Thank you uh, for all you do. You're blessed. Very well. Well, we're going to be celebrating um, Alexandria Ford's baptism in just a moment. She and Pastor Matt are going to come out uh, for her baptism, but let's watch her uh, uh, testimony of faith on this next video. Hello, my name is Alexandria, and this is my faith story. I grew up in a Christian home with um, Christian parents, and we went to church every Sunday. And growing up, when I was younger, I always thought that, like, I was just a Christian. Like, oh, my family's a Christian, so that means I'm a Christian. But I never truly know what it meant. And then in my middle school years, I treated Christianity like a phase. Oh, I'll try this for a while. And eh, after a couple weeks or a month or two, I'd fall off again, and I'd stop reading my Bible so often and praying and being in the Word. And I was always like, why didn't this work? And then I realized that's because it's not about how hard I try. It's about how hard God is trying to get me to accept him. And once I realized that I needed to accept Christ, that made it a lot easier versus trying to do everything on my own. One scripture that um, I think is, relates to my faith story is Ephesians 4.24. And to be transformed as you embrace the glorious Christ within as your new life and live in union with him. For God has created you all over again in his perfect righteousness, and now you belong to him in the realm of true holiness. I think this applies to my faith story because I wasn't a good person before I became a Christian. No one could be a good person, and yet through Christ, he can transform your life. My name is Alexandria, and today I am getting baptized. Well, hello, everyone. Um, a couple important things you all need to know about Alexandria, because she's humble and did not mention them. Um, she is one of our graduates. She was not here last Sunday because she had a ton of family in town, um, but she graduated a year early, um, and she's going on to MCC next year, so well done. 
Well done. Um, and, and I was just backstage. She's getting involved in VBS this week now. So as she's prepping for baptism, she's not even nervous enough to say, stop talking to me. She's just, she's just ready. But the whole Ford family just serves all over the place here. Brian's an elder, but Alexandria, I'm so excited for today. So it's been cool to see your journey, especially this last year. And this seems like a perfect moment. So, well, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes. Have you committed to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Well, are you ready? All right. I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Baptisms are so much fun, aren't they? I tell you, it is such a joy to be able to celebrate uh, when somebody makes a faith commitment and takes that step of obedience and identifying with Christ in that way. If you have not had an opportunity to be baptized or you have questions about baptism, uh, Pastor Matt or I would love the opportunity to talk with you about that. If you have questions about or have have a relationship with Christ, it starts there. Uh, Baptism is the first step of obedience and spiritual growth. And so uh, if you have any questions about baptism, uh, please let us know. We'd love the opportunity uh, to talk with you. Well, I don't think it is uncommon for um, people to ask, you know, especially uh, in the midst of trials, you know, pain, you know, suffering, those kind of things, um, to ask uh, where God is at any given point. You know, sometimes there's events uh, that unfold that if we let them, can potentially distract us from keeping our eyes focused on our Heavenly Father that loves us and cares about us. I had a funeral last weekend for a three-year-old that had uh, died tragically in an accident. And uh, the service that uh, I had an opportunity to just share with the family, one of the passages I shared with them uh, came from the book of Job. And that passage has just stuck with me um, this week. You know, Job, in the very first chapter, is losing all his stuff. There's a lot of things that unfold. Um, He loses his his oxen, his donkeys, his servants to the Sabians. And while he's hearing about that, somebody else comes up and says, you've lost your sheep and your servants. And while he's listening to that, somebody else comes up and says, you've lost all your camels and your servants to the Chaldeans. And so Job loses all his stuff. And while he's hearing about all those things, at the same time, somebody walks up and says, all your sons and daughters have died. They were in your oldest son's house, the house collapsed, and you have lost all of them. And so Job, in the midst of this announcement, responds this way. He tears his robe. He tears his robe, he shaves his head, and he falls on the ground, and he worships. He said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord shall take away. Blessed be the name of the Lord In all of this, Job did not sin or charge God with any wrongdoing. When I read this passage, I pray for faith like that. You know, sometimes things happen. I'm a a glass half full kind of person. I am typically always over optimistic. But every once in a while, the the glass will just dip a little bit below half full. And I was like, okay, I got to recenter myself. You know, I've been reflecting on this past week on this verse, and I was just kind of thinking about how Job responded. You know, first of all, he arose, and so he was sitting when he got this notice. 
He didn't just fall down and faint upon hearing the nose. He stood up. He embraced, and he was facing what was coming out. He faces this challenge, and then he tears his robe, which is symbolic of mourning and suffering. And so he tears his robe, and then he shaved his head. Now I shave my head, and so typically when I shave my head, it's an ordeal. I have to, you know, trim some stuff up, and I have to get my shaving cream. I mean, it takes me a while to shave my head. So Job goes through that process. He stands up, he tears his robe, and then he takes the time to shave his head. And then he comes back and falls on the ground and worship. He arose, he tore, he shaved, and then he fell and worshiped God. You know, this passage has modeled for me this past week what it means to live by faith. What does it mean to be on a journey of faith? Does it mean that everything's going to go the way that we think it should? No. It means that in spite of our circumstances, God is holy and God is God. You know, it's about being on a journey and embracing the fullness of what God has for us. As I moved past the weekend, I got into the week and I, I got into the office Wednesday and I'm looking through the news and I heard about the elementary school shooting in Texas. And as that unfolded, you know, both times I was with my grandkids and my family when these tragedies happened and I heard about them and I was reminded about how fallen and lost and broken this world is. And as I was thinking about the Memorial Day weekend, you know, I was reading some, you know, just the history of Memorial Day weekend. If you've never looked it up, I would encourage you to do that. There's different types of holidays. There are some people that would tell you, don't say happy Memorial Day. There's nothing happy about it. This is a time of mourning and remembrance and reflection as we think about those that have given their lives so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have today. And so by the time I got to Thursday, by the time I got to Friday, I was feeling a little bit weighed down. And I'm not even going to talk about COVID. Nope, that was the second time I said it. No more. No more. You know, there's things in our life that cause us to really that are going to pull us towards God or they're going to push us away. And during my devotion time this past week, I ran across this passage in Psalm 121. I lift my eyes to the hills for where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. God is in control. God is sovereign. There's, there's nothing that escapes his purview. He's not looking down thinking, wow, I did not know that was going to happen. God has the hairs of our head numbered. He is over every detail of our lives. Our responsibility is to come figure out what God has for us in light of what's happening around us. And I am so grateful. I am so glad that God is into the details because I can't handle details. I'm just not a detailed kind of guy. Sometimes I just get bogged down with details or information. And I'm telling you now, it has nothing to do with getting older. <laughs> got my birthday next week and some of my kids have been busting my chops while you're just getting old. It's, it's not that I'm getting old. It's just my mind can't get around all the details, especially when I start thinking about the things of God. I don't know how he manages all those details, but I know that he does. You know, I have my wife and my kids that have encouraged me. My, my wife, yesterday I was in the midst of a conversation with one of my daughters and I was getting bogged down in some details and she just turned over to me and she said, just, just stop for a second. Just, just listen. I think, I'm trying, I'm trying to listen. And so I've got people around me that encourage me in that helping me to be able to process details. 
You know, I am so grateful for our staff. We have a great staff at Springbrook. I love our staff. You know, we, we get along great together. But one of the things I encourage, you know, I just really appreciate about them is their ability to say, hey, this is, this is what's happening. This is what we need to work on. And, and sometimes I'm listening to information and, and I have to stop and I just have to say, can just, just give me a question. What do I, what do I need to know? Because <laughs> I get bogged down in details. And, but God does not get bogged down in details. God knows everything that there is to know about every single one of our lives. Isn't that unbelievable? It's, it's actually amazing. You, we can't comprehend the mysteries of the knowledge and foreknowledge of God. When I'm really bogged down and overburdened, I turn to Isaiah 40, 31. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. You know, it's encouraging to know that I don't have to have all the answers about anything, really. I mean, I've got the responsibilities that God has given me. We've all got responsibilities, and and we're responsible for being knowledgeable and then for putting that into practice and living wise lives. But we don't have to know all the details about everything. We don't have to be overwhelmed by those. On one of the trips uh, I had made to uh, Nepal and India, uh, Eric Ruck, one of our elders, uh, had come with me, and that's him in the corner. And, and we, we were crammed into this little room, and we had just been walking through some of the most you know, horrific you know, environments. And you're, you're looking around at, at some of the conditions that people are living in and some of the things that people are facing and, and the persecution of these local churches. And so I got up to address this audience that had gathered and I think I was actually teaching from Hebrews. I was talking about what it means to have our eyes focused on the supremacy of Christ. And I think I was actually in passage eight that we're going to be looking at today in Hebrews 8. And I got up and I said the same thing to them. I said, you know, sometimes the circumstances in our life can cause us to, to just to, to think about our faith. It challenges our faith. And they're all just kind of looking at me like, what are you talking about? This is, this is our life. This isn't, this is, this doesn't challenge our faith. We're secure in who we are in Christ. And so it was interesting because I was, for me, what was a challenging for them was their, their steadfastness of faith was such an encouragement. You know, I was looking around at some of the things that we're facing. Persecution in some churches is just what they do. It doesn't distract them. In many cases, it encourages them and their faith increases as they face persecution. And so in the church in the West today, we get so easily distracted. It's amazing when you look out at what's happening around the world and how God is moving. It's humbling. It's sobering. And so I pray for our church that we would have a faith like Job, that in spite of our circumstances, no matter what's going on, that we would be moved to keep in our eyes on him. You know, maybe it's just me that gets overwhelmed sometimes. I don't know. Does anybody else get overwhelmed? It's easy to get overwhelmed. When we keep our eyes on God, when we keep our eyes on the completed work of Jesus Christ on the cross, it is there that we find hope. It is there that our faith is strengthened. And that's what the book of Hebrews has for us. The book of Hebrews focuses us on the person and the work of Jesus. It focuses us on the supremacy of Christ and who he is and what it means to be on a journey together. We're in Hebrews chapter 8 this morning, and so if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to Hebrews 8, or you can uh, listen along as I read this. If you are watching online, uh, there's a tab that says Bible uh, down at the bottom. You can click that, and a Bible will pop right up on your screen there. But uh, listen with me or read along with me. We're in Hebrews chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Now, the point of what we have been saying is this. We have such a high priest 
one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that is the Lord, set up, that he set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus, it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better since it is erected on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would not be a need or an occasion for a second. For he fights fault with them when he says this. And then quoting from Jeremiah 31, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they did not continue in my covenant, and I showed no concern from them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities. I will remember their sins no more. And speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanquish away. And so the author, we talked about this uh, two weeks ago, historically has been attributed to Paul. For some, their authorship has been in, uh, in called in question. But the author is writing here, he's, he's been talking about the supremacy of Christ. From chapters 1 through 7, we understand, we get a picture of who Jesus is. We get a picture of his role as a high priest. He compares that, his, how much more worthy is his priesthood than that you would find with Moses or with Aaron or with the order of Melchizedek. And so when you're reading through chapters 1 through 7, there's a lot of information that you get as you're processing through that reading. I love this, though. This is one of my, I love this verse, verse number 1. Now, the point of what we are saying is this. <laughs> Don't you love that? In other words, there's a lot of information here. There's a lot of stuff for you to know. But the point is this, I love it, because he just, he narrows down, what do you need to know? You need to know that we have a high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. You know, after talking about Jesus and all the greatness of Jesus and comparing all these things, he says, look, this is what you need to know. We have a, a high priest We have a high priest that resides in heaven of which he is a minister in the sanctuary. Here's the point. He summarizes for us what we need to know. We have a high priest. You know, those priestly roles in the Old Testament, those are gone. There are no longer any priests. You know, we we, we are ministers of the gospel today. We We are pastors and we are teachers. We now have a high priest in Christ such that no other people at any other point in time has ever had. As God, Jesus is the final priest able to offer up sacrifices on our behalf because that's what a priest does. 
And in some religions and in some walks of faith, they still have priests. And so it's not uncommon to go into a church where you might find a priest. Those priests are offering up sacrifices on your behalf. If you have to go in, sometimes you go in and, and some, I, this is what I did, this is what I did wrong, and here's your penance, go say this, do that. And so priests are offering up sacrifices on your behalf, and you don't need that anymore. We don't, we have a high priest that's seated in heaven. And so sometimes you walk into our churches and there's, there's, there's roles that are being filled by priests. At Springbrook, we have, we have pastors. That's a New Testament model for the office of proclaiming God's word. In the Old Testament, we had priests. We don't have those. In the Old Testament, we had prophets. We don't have prophets today. There's nobody speaking new words for God. A prophet was somebody that God set aside to speak on his behalf. And those words that they spoke are what we have in Scripture today. There is no more new scripture. And so we can be prophetic in a sense that we are explaining to people God's word. And so you can have the gift of prophecy. You can be prophetic, but there are no modern day prophets. We don't have any apostles today. Sometimes you can walk into a church. You might find a priest. You might find a prophet. You might find an apostle. We have the apostles. They give us what we have canonized in scripture today. And so that role has been fulfilled. And so at Springbrook, we have, we have pastors. We have the responsibility for equipping the saints for ministry. We have the responsibility for proclaiming the word of God. And our role has changed now in the new covenant because we have now a high priest that is able to offer the final sacrifice that was needed in our behalf. There's no other sacrifice needed to be offered on my behalf or your behalf. Christ, when he gave his life up on the cross, offered the final sacrifice. He was that sacrificial lamb that pays for our sins. And the good news is this, we have somebody in heaven that is a mediator on our behalf. We have a high priest, and that is great news for us. We have a high priest, and where is he right now? He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God next to his father. We have the Holy Spirit. We went through a series on Revelation uh, a while back, and we talked about that scene in heaven. And, and when you think about that scene in heaven, it's absolutely glorious. I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Take your best day on earth. It pales in comparison to what we're going to find when we get in heaven. That's where he is seated. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. We have a priest that is mediating on our, on our behalf. We have one mediator between us and our Heavenly Father. It's Jesus Christ. And he is seated at the right hand of his Heavenly Father in heaven. And he has all authority over heaven and earth. And that's where he is. And that's where we will be. The point is we have a high priest. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is our advocate. He is our mediator. He has all authority to forgive our sins, which is where we find our forgiveness of sins. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is God, that he died on the cross for your sins? And is that where you are placing your faith? If so, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, and you will be saved. Salvation is understanding who Jesus is, where he is, and what he's accomplished for us. He is a minister in, in a, a heavenly tabernacle, the true tabernacle, where the Lord himself resides, not like any that you can find here on earth. You know, you have the, you have the, um, just the temple of Solomon in the Old Testament. It was one of the most grand temples that you can imagine. It was gold. It was beautiful. It was huge. I mean, everything paled into comparison at that time to Solomon's temple. Guess what? That is rags compared to what we're going to find in heaven. You know, this, this building that we're in right now, this is a sanctuary. We call this a sanctuary. God's 
presence is here when we are here. But when we leave and there's nobody here, God's not sitting in here with smoke coming out of the fire, out of the, with, with fire in it by night. God's presence is here because we are here. The Spirit of God resides in us. And when we gather, the Spirit of God is here. And so God is in this place. But when we leave, this is a building. This is an opportunity for us. This is a place for people to come, find answers. It's a ministry center. We do ministry out of this. This is where we equip the saints for the ministry that God has for them out there. And for many people, this is where they think church is. And it's not. This is just a building. Jesus, Jesus is a minister to us from the most holy of places up in heaven. And it's, it's not like any place that could have been made by man. His kingdom is now at hand through us, and it will be fully realized when he returns. And so Paul, just in those first two verses, reminds us that everything that we've talked about points us to three truths. And so, and so at this point, we could, just, we could just stop right here, right? We could just call it a day. This is everything you need to know. Have a great day. <laughs> I mean, this is the point of what Paul's writing to us. But there's, but there's some other some other things that we want to look at with regard to what do we do with this information? You know, this is the point of the passage, but the next question is, okay, well, well, what do we do with this? And so the author is speaking primarily to Jewish believers. They're, they're living under this old covenant. They're on an obsolete journey of faith. And Hebrews points them to the truth and the reality of a new covenant that we have in, in Christ. It's a new faith journey that we're on, one that we're on together and encouraging each other today. While Hebrews has been summarized nicely for us in those first two verses, there's three ways that that passage applies to us today. And so we want to look at those. In verses three and four, he writes this, every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it is necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. In the Old Testament, those priests offered sacrifices on our behalf it's necessary for those priests to have something to offer. Now, if Jesus were still on earth, he would not be a high priest at all because he'd still have to be offering sacrifices for us. If he were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. And so if Jesus were still here offering sacrifices on our behalf, guess what? He's not God. He's not sufficient. His death doesn't cover us on the cross. But the good news is this, his death does cover our sin. He's offered himself up as our final sacrifice. He is that sacrificial lamb, and it's in him that we place our faith. Gifts and sacrifices were something that were brought before God to atone for the guilty. And today we have a self-sacrifice that has been brought forward to us by a guiltless Jesus Christ. In the old covenant, those priests brought gifts and sacrifices offered up for sin by those who were also guilty. Those priests also needed to offer sacrifices up for themselves. And so they would offer sacrifices up on behalf of the people. They would offer sacrifices up on behalf of themselves in this new, in this new covenant. Jesus is a self-sacrifice that he's offered up on our behalf by a guiltless Christ. This is the reason that we have forgiveness of sins. This is the reason why a relationship with Christ is so important because it's only through him that we find forgiveness through his sacrificial death on the cross. The first application from this passage is that you need to know that Christ's death is sufficient for you. Christ's death paid the cost of our sin. We are guiltless before our Father because of what Christ accomplished for us. We're not guiltless. 
He just doesn't remember our sins. He doesn't hold those against us any longer if we have placed our faith in Christ. This is why a relationship with Christ is so important. It's critical. It's the foundation of our faith. You don't have a high priest in heaven that is advocating for you if you have not placed your faith in him. You know, we have a high priest that has offered himself up on behalf of our sin. And so the first application for what we know to be true is is that we need to understand that Jesus Christ is sufficient for us. We need to place our faith in him. We talk about placing our faith in Christ. We're talking about believing with our minds that he died on the cross for our sins, understanding who he is. We place our faith in that, and then then the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, and, and the old becomes new, and we're changed. And so the application for this truth, although it sounds good, that, this sounds really good. Hey, this, isn't this great? We have a high priest. You see at the right hand, he ministers to us. This is good news. The application is, is placing our faith in it. It's publicly confessing our mouth as Jesus and the Lord. It's being obedient to taking steps of baptism. It's being obedient to talking to God through prayer and listening to him through his word. It's an obedience issue as we think about our spiritual gifts and, and how we serve to build up the body of Christ and seek to be a witness in our community and encourage each other in our faith. On this journey that we're on together, we have to apply what we know to be true. In Hebrews 5 and 6, it says these older priests in the Old Testament, they just served as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God saying, see that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as the old covenant, as, he medi- as, a, as his being a mediator for us is better, since it is enacted on better promises. You know, there's a focus that we have on the temple and the sacrifices that were happening in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, people had to bring their animals before sacrifice, and they had to bring it to a, a temple and to the tabernacle. And so this whole sacrificial system was built up on a physical space. They had to have a temple. This is why, this is why by the reason, why they're so enamored right now, and there's so much discussion about trying to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem right now. That's why it's a big deal, because they're not able to take their temple sacrifices there because there's no temple when it got destroyed. Now, Jesus said the temple was going to be destroyed. You no longer need to do that anymore. I don't understand why they're trying to build a temple. There's no more places that we need to bring our sacrifices. If you build that temple in Jerusalem, all of a sudden people are going to start bringing their animals to the temple and they're going to start sacrificing their animals just like they did back in the Old Testament. They don't need to. That's what Christ did. And so the temple being rebuilt is, 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 is a mistake. <laughs> that is not a place where you need to, to, to go before God. You know, we are a temple. The Holy Spirit is in us. And there's this focus on, the, on this physical building for worship. And right now, the focus for us under this new covenant is to focus on the reign of Christ in our hearts as we worship him. We come together to worship him together Praise God, we have a, a facility that we can come to when it's snowing outside, when it's hot outside, and we're working on getting the air conditioner and the heat fixed. But you'll praise God for a facility that we can come to to worship together, but that's not the focus. The focus is on Christ living in us as we bring our worship to him here. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, priests and ministry were focused on worshiping God who was in a physical building. God was in the innermost place of the Holy of Holies, and, he, and, and people came to him that way. And so the physical location of where you worship God was important. Today, under the new covenant, 
Our focus is on worshiping Christ who now lives in us. The Holy Spirit is external in the life of somebody that does not have a relationship with Christ. When we place our faith in Christ, when we believe in him, the the Bible says that he takes up residence in us. The old is gone, the new has come. We are a new creation. Christ lives in the life of a believer. And and our focus for us today is with Christ in us, we can offer ourselves up as our spiritual act of worship. Romans 12, we, we offer ourselves up as our spiritual act of worship. God has given us a spiritual gift that we use to bring to serve others, to glorify him and to build up the body of Christ. And so our focus is no longer on a physical building, but on the reality that Christ now lives in us. And we offer ourselves up as our physical act of worship. In Hebrews 8 and 9, it says this, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Praise God, we're experiencing that today. It's not like the covenant that I made earlier with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these days. I will put my laws in their minds. I will write, on, I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. You know, in the former days of old, people failed. The covenant broke down. God kept his part, but the people turned from God. There was a failure of the people to keep the covenant. And God says, I've got a plan for that. Jesus Christ. Under the old covenant, it was based on the work of the people who failed. They had to bring their sacrifices to God. They had to do all these things. They had all these laws they had to keep, and they couldn't keep up with it, and they failed. People will fail. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, it was based on works. You had to do these things in order to work your faith out. Now we do them because of our faith. And so it's a horse cart issue. Our focus today is based on the work of Christ who is faithful. We look to him. We're trusting in his completed work at the cross. My salvation has nothing to do with anything that is good in me. I can't be good enough. Everybody falls short of perfection. There's nothing I can do to be perfect and earns God's favor. Well, in the Old Testament, there was things that they can do. In fact, their works were accredited to them as faith. In the New Testament, though, the work of of Christ has accomplished everything that we need now to have faith and have a relationship with God. Our hope is in Christ and in Christ alone. So here's the good news. Here's the point. We have a high priest. He's seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He ministers to us from the most holy of places. So what? What do we do with that? It means Jesus Christ's death is sufficient for you and for me. It's important that we place our faith in him. Christ is in us. If you have a relationship with Christ, he is in you, and we offer ourselves up in worship. Our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. That's what it means for us. And so the application of these truths are important. It's not just about knowing what's true, but about applying that, experiencing it, and living it out on a journey of faith together. That's who we are called to be as we encourage one another, as we learn together and encourage each other in our walk. This world is fallen. It is broken. We are fallen, and we are broken. And every one of us desperately needs Christ. I'm going to ask Bethany to come up now, and she's going to lead us 
in this next song together. And I just want to encourage you um, during this next song to, to reflect on what it means for us that we have a high priest in heaven and then thinking about what it, how we apply that to our lives. And so she's going to lead us in this next song together and then I'm going to come out uh, in a few moments for some closing thoughts. We're going to sing this together. You can remain seated um, in light of everything that's happened this week. This is a song of lament. If you're not familiar with the word lament, it's a biblical word that pretty much just means complaint or grief. We're laying out before the Lord um, that all is not as it ought to be. And yet, even in that, uh, we do have a high priest. We have a high priest who is faithful, who is our light, who is our hope. And so I'll take us with a relationship with him to be with him in heaven. God, we thank you for that reality and for that truth. God, thank you that you give us opportunities to minister to the people around us today. God, thank you for the work you're doing in our lives and for the opportunity we have to share the hope that we have in Christ with others. We lift this day up to you. We lift this weekend up to you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd love to invite you one more time to stand in body or spirit. Let's respond and worship together, singing worthy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy is He. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Let's sing that again. Sing worthy. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is he. It's all heaven's mercy seat. We sing holy.
Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. I pray now that as you go, that the God of all comfort would comfort you in every way. Go now in faith to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed, blessed week in Him, and we will see you next Sunday.